I want you to go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Anybody love the Word of God? Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set. Everybody say set. On what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Do you see the contrast? There's a contrast that Paul is writing about. And he says now this in verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. How, how, how many just like peace kind of sounds good to you right now? It's like, man, that sounds good. Paul is writing and, and he's giving us a way or the method in how to walk in life and in peace. He says, he says where you set your mind matters. That, that, that literally whatever you set your mind on produces some sort of fruit in your life. So, so some people, they want the peace, but they don't want the mindset. So Paul says it is, it, it is really important for you to know what you're setting your mind on because wherever you're setting your mind is becoming your mindset. And whatever your mindset is, it is producing some type of fruit. Now, this, this is embarrassing to say and it's like a stupid example, but I was, I, I, was, I was preparing this message and I started to think about this, that how powerful our mind is. I mean, our minds are powerful. We can start thinking something. It cannot even be true, but you can think about it long enough, and it's true to you. I mean, you, you can think you see something in the shadows. You can think about it, look about it, look at it long enough, and pretty soon it's like, it is someone. It's, it's your mind is powerful. You can go through trauma. You can go through different situations, and it can affect your mind. And I was preparing, and, and, and I actually confessed this in the, in the first service, okay? So this is just, just, just something about me. I, I, used, I, I grew up a really picky eater, like really picky. And now I'm bearing the fruit of that with my children. And so we're trying to break them of that. But I, I cannot stand onions, all right? I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a real deal, okay? See, I see a couple witnesses in the house. But I have, I, there's another layer to this. It's funny, onions layer. Uh, there's another, I didn't mean to do that, but it just happened, okay? Uh, there's another layer to this, and, and, and it's this. I was thinking, like, I really, I really don't like onions. Like, so much, like, if I, if I have a burger and they put onions on the burger, and then they're like, oh, we forgot, and then they take the onion. I can't do that. I'm like, the juices of the onion are still in there somewhere. Like, I can't have the, no. And, and then I realized this. This is super embarrassing. I realized this. I've actually never, this is true. I'm 42 years old. I've never actually tasted onions. But I know in my knower that I cannot stand onions. Some of you are like shaking your head. This is just embarrassing. I realized that at a young age somewhere, I must have tried, I must have tried them and knew that I didn't like them or something somehow. But it became, it is something I set my mind on long enough that it became a mindset. And you can't talk me out of it. I had somebody after the first service, after I said you can't talk about me out of it, they said, well, will you, you, no, you can't. I have made up my mind. Did, did, did you know that, that you are a product of what you have set your mind on? What, what, what you think about consistently becomes your mindset. A mindset is established by what you set your mind on. Did, did you know that many of us in the room, we, we don't even really know what we believe theologically? 
Because we've never studied to show ourselves approved. We've just grown up in atmospheres and environments where we've been told one thing or another. And because you set your mind on that thing in that denomination for 13 years, now when somebody says this thing, you're like, that's not right. But you never looked it up. You never read about it. Never checked it out. But you just feel like it's, that's wrong. Like, I'm not going to like onions. Some of you are like, I'm not going to like the Holy Spirit because you were told for 13 years about a doctrine that is not right, that is incorrect, but, but, but you actually never, you never look for yourself. So, so, so what you set your mind on is powerful because you can think something about God that's not true, but because you've thought about it so long, it becomes your mindset. And now you think God doesn't do miracles because you've set your mind on that thought for so many years that now when, when I come up and say God can do anything and that we walked into an atmosphere where anything is possible, you're like, man, I don't know. Because you have a mindset about God. But, but, but you're living in the fruit of what you have thought about. I, I believe in the power of God. And now I'm going to tell you this, God's going to set some people free today that have been in cycles of thought that have been so conflicting or so binding, and God's going to set you free. But this is the truth. If you don't change the way you think, he's going to have to set you free next week too. And sometimes Pentecostals are a little bit notorious for this. It's like we go from encounter to encounter to encounter. But, but why does God have to keep setting you free from the same thing? It's because what got you in the thing was the thing you set your mind on. And because you haven't changed the way you think, he, gotta keep, he has to keep setting you free. And we got to break the cycle somewhere and realize that if I want to walk in freedom, I've got to change what I think. God actually gave you your brain. So to operate in the spirit doesn't mean that I operate outside of my mind. To operate in the spirit means I fix my mind on what his spirit Desires. I, I walk in partnership or with in agreement with what his spirit wants to do. When, when Paul writes Romans 8, it's right after Romans 7. I'm a math genius. And Romans chapter 7, Paul relates with us, at least with me, because he says this. He says, the very things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Right? He says, I have a problem. There is desire in me, then, then I don't do it. And then I don't want to do this thing, and I am doing it. Which makes me feel better because Paul was an apostle. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And sometimes I don't always have the right feelings or thoughts. Sometimes I want to do something good, and I don't. Sometimes I don't want to do that, and I do. It, it, I, I'm conflicted. You, you know what that is? It's your sinful nature. You know, you know, it's funny. People argue with this about me because nobody wants to be called bad. You know, it's like, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm innately good. Well, I didn't have to teach my boys to steal. I didn't have to teach my boys to lie. I didn't have to teach my boys to sneak around. I had to teach them to tell the truth. I had to teach them to be honorable. I had to teach them how to be respectful. Because if left to their own devices, they are not good. And we are not good. We have a sinful nature. It, Paul is saying this. Paul had a good heart, but he's saying, like, there is a war in me. You, you ever seen the cartoon with an angel on one side and demon on the other? This is truth. It's your flesh and your spirit. There is a battle that goes on for authority or governance or, 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 or ruler, the, the, the voice that will rule 
your life. So, so Paul says this in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, it says, it says, let me find it. Romans chapter verse 21, it says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Is anybody's story? Like, I want to do it. Then, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. There are good people that are sitting in this room and watching all over the place that you're prisoners in your mind. And it doesn't mean you're bad people. It means you're human. And you, you, there is a war between your flesh and the spirit. You're, it's called your sinful nature. What a wretched, this is what Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Any mindset that you're a prisoner of, God wants to set you free. So, so any reoccurring thought pattern that you cannot break free of is an indication that God wants to bring freedom in some area of your life. So any reoccurring fear or reoccurring anxiety that continues to play like a broken record in your mind, that is an indicator that God wants to bring freedom in an area. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're human and you have a sinful nature. And that some of us have been taken prisoner in the place of our minds. But Paul wrote Romans 8 right after Romans 7, and he gives us the antidote to being a prisoner in our mind. He says, whatever you set your mind on, then you will receive fruit from. So if you set your mind on your sinful nature, you will, you will end up and you will reap death. But if you set your mind on the spirit, you will receive life and peace. Now, now, th now this is really interesting. This is really important for the next generation to hear. And you've heard maybe, maybe heard me talk about this before. If, if you would put your heart and your mind in neutral, you would not gravitate towards God. This is why it's so dangerous for the next generation to put themselves in neutral and just to find out where they're going to go in life or what they believe. Why don't they end up at God when they put themselves in neutral? Because we have a sinful nature. And the gravitational pull of this world is to pull towards self. That's why we're confused about what truth is. That's why we're confused about what gender is. That's why we're confused about what reality is. Because if you put yourself in neutral, you do not gravitate towards God's truth. You gravitate towards cultural norm. What is the loudest voices of the culture become your belief system because in neutral, you will always gravitate to that point of least resistance. But for the believer, Paul says, I need you to set your mind. It means that you've got to make a deliberate choice. You have to engage your thinking. You actually have to adhere to truth. I'm just going to like, just kind of like, just... I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to coast in my emotions, in my love, in my. The most dangerous thing you could do in your marriage 
is to stop making good choices and to just coast with your emotions. But we understand it in the context of marriage, but we don't understand it in the context of career or life. We, when you let yourself go, you do not gravitate towards commitment, towards faithfulness, towards selflessness, towards patience, towards love. You gravitate towards self. That is the nature of the human condition. But this is what Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, hey, you've got to be born again. So no matter if you were born angry or you were born hateful or you were born out of a bad relationship or you were born you didn't want to be born, no matter how you were born, he says, when you come to me, you're going to be born again. This is what Christianity is, is that's what Romans 8 is talking about. Really, the context is salvation. It says those who fix their minds, set their minds on the spirit will receive life and peace. That peace is actually peace with God. You know, what's, what's scary to me is that we have a lot of people that believe in Jesus and serve Jesus and would say they're Christians, but they have no peace. So that's concerning for me because I'm wondering, what are, you, what are you setting your mind on? Because the product of a mind that's set on life and peace, or on the spirit, is life and peace. Verse 6 is interesting. It said the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit, nobody likes to be governed. I don't know. I'm sure there's been times in history where people have hated to be governed more. But I feel like we live in a pretty rebellious age. We don't want to be governed by parents. We don't want to be governed by people. We don't want to be governed by government. We don't want to be, no, no governing. I'm, I'm, I'm in it for me. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to, I'm going to look out for me. And we're not, and, and this is what Paul says. He says, you've got to be, or I guess you could say it this way, you are governed by something. So he says, if you have a mind that's governed by the flesh. You know what the flesh is? The flesh is what you want. Or you could say it this way. The flesh is anything with God subtracted. So my carnal nature is trying to do things void or without God. My spirit is doing things with God. So if, I'm, if, I, if I fix my, my mind or I set my mind on the flesh, it is what I can do for me or what I can do in my own strength. It is void of God. If you subtract God, it's flesh. If you add God, it's spirit. Anything that's outside of my control, outside of my strength, outside of my ability that I lean into God, now I'm focusing on spirit. Where you set your mind is important. And I would say this, you have got to allow your mind to be governed by the spirit. I think probably more than ever before in our lifetimes, we have to lean into the government of God. And what, 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 is, what does that mean? That means that cultural norms are not our truth. There is absolute truth, and it's found in the word of God. And so we have to be faithful to study the word of God and to make sure that our worldview our belief system lines up. It's not popular. It's not fun. You're not always be liked. But the word has to be the final authority. No matter which way the pendulum swings in our culture, we have to come back to what the word says. Did you know wherever there is confusion in society, there is clarity in God's word. Where the, when we have confusion, 
It should not be me and you going to coffee and trying out our best arguments on each other. If we are not using the plumb line, the true north of the word of God, we are just giving way to the best arguer. But if we have a true north that is the word of God, then we work with something and we can come to a conclusion. The, the Bible has answers for today's culture. The Bible says salvation is, sees no male or female, Jew or Gentile. The Bible speaks about race and racism. The Bible speaks about social justice and social issues. The Bible, the Bible talks about taxes. You know, I'm not, I hate the government. I hate, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's what Jesus said in the New Testament. We're saying how many letters and all of the genders and we choose this, and, but God already decided that. He said in the beginning he created them male and female. So, so all, of, all of our arguments are, 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 are just noise unless we submit to a true north. It's not my ideas or opinions or your ideas or opinions. It's us being governed. Does this make sense? At times, I've hated what the Bible says. But that doesn't give me an opportunity to say, well, I don't feel like in 2023 that applies. No, I have to be governed. You may not like some of the things the Bible says. And it's not hateful. It's not judgmental. The truth of God's word is always to give you the best life that you can have. God's boundaries are never to imprison you. God's boundaries are always to protect you and to release you into a level of life that you would never have without them. Because God actually knows what will make us happy. God actually knows what will fulfill us. And we can chase all of these things in our sinful nature, but in the end, they'll lead to death. But if we can set our mind on the spirit... It's our thinking. Just think about this. Think about how much you think about things that are not God. And then we wonder how the fruit of our life is so overwhelming. And we're paralyzed with fear and we're riddled with anxiety and we worry about every little thing and we doubt God and we doubt his power. And, and I wouldn't say it's because God's doing something or not doing something. I would say it's just a byproduct of the amount of thought that we're putting in the wrong place. So when God sets you free from the prison of your thoughts, now it's your responsibility to change the way that you think to make sure that you don't go back to the same thing that you came out of. I'll show you another scripture, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Now be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Let's read the first part of it. It says, do not conform to the pattern of, it's almost like way back there in the day, they knew that we would have a problem way up here in 2023, conforming to the pattern of the world and getting kind of confused on like, what actually is true. So, so they write way back then to us way up here saying, hey, don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the... So there's not just don't, there's also an action. You know, you know why most people can't see God's law or God, see God's ways? 
is because all they hear is the don't and they never see the but. Excuse me. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind is so important. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at what the scripture says. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Which tells me this. I cannot discern the will of God. Unless I have refused to be conformed by the pattern of the world. And I have been transformed by the renewing of my not I had three God encounters at camp or conference this weekend. I've been renewed by my mind. I'm thinking different. And I want encounters for you. And I want the power of God to touch you. And I want you to have those moments. But you have to change the way that you think. You, you, you have to change. The, the, the encounter breaks you free. The thinking keeps you free. The encounter breaks you free. The thinking keeps you free. You've got to change the way that we think. To approve what God's will is, his pleasing and perfect will. Life and peace are not a gift we're given. But the result of a mindset that's set on God. So some people say, if I just pray enough, God will give me peace. No, no peace is a byproduct of thinking on the right things. When I think on him, and his, there's an old song, when I think about him and all he's done for me. But when, when you begin to put your attention, your focus on God, worry begins to disappear. So I have to give him more. i got to give God more real estate in my mind than my concerns. I've got, I have to give God more real estate in my thinking than I do the things that I'm scared of or the things that I'm worried might happen. I get worried. I get afraid. I have, I have fear. Jamie and I were actually, we were in, uh, we were talking with our counselor. We see a counselor. He's great. You've probably heard about it on his, her podcast because she likes to air our dirty laundry on there. And, his, and uh, so she's like, meets with a therapist, then goes on her podcast, makes it, you know, global. And, um, and, and, and he, he, told me, he told me one time, he said, he said, what are you so afraid of? I was like, excuse me? That's, why, that's literally what I said. It was really awkward. I'm like, what? Like, I'm not afraid. I'm like, anybody that knows me would know that I'm not, a, I'm not a fearful person. He's like, you, you, you're operating out of fear. I said, I'm actually not. Uh, and if you're watching this, Randy, I'm sorry. I said, I'm actually not. And, and see, this is hard because it's kind of like what I, what I do is hard. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm just like, just because you said it doesn't make it, true, make it true, Randy. I know you're like a professional and everything, but like I've dabbled myself in some things. And so like don't just be throwing that fear thing around. On me and telling me I'm, and so we had our little argument, and about three months later, it's an expensive argument too. It's like, why was I wasting the time? Three months later, I went back to him. I said, Hey, uh, Randy, you know that time you told me that I was afraid? He said, Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, I, I realized that I was just confused about what emotion I was feeling, and so I think it maybe it, maybe it was fear. He said, I know. I'm like, I'm never coming back. I have fears, I have worries, but the Bible says this, that we have to take captive every thought and bring it into the, so it doesn't mean that I don't, Romans 7, it doesn't mean that I don't feel what is wrong or feel bad. It means now I take authority over those thoughts and I bring them into obedience to God. I make sure that they're governed. No thought gets to run free in my mind. 
it's got to be governed by God. It's got to be governed by his word. It's interesting, Matthew chapter 16, there's a story, and, and you know I love stories about Peter. Peter's like one of my favorite disciples because he's always getting in trouble, and I feel like he might be worse off, you know, than I think we all could be better than Peter, so it makes me feel good about myself. And Peter's always doing crazy stuff. This instance is really wild because Jesus is describing what's going to happen to him. He says, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be killed. And Peter's like, this is heavy, you know, this is Jesus. He's like, I got to take care of this. And so it says this, Matthew chapter 16, it says, after Jesus finished talking, he pulled him aside. So nice of him. People do this after my message sometimes. Like, hey, come here for a second. Do you know that in the Greek? He's like, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, save that for Greek class. This way it says, Matthew 16, verse 22, it says, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus is the fulfillment of the messianic prophecy. He is the savior of the world, and he let Peter in on the secret. I'm the guy that's going to die for humanity. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, and he began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus, this is talking about Jesus, but he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. You are a hindrance to me, for you are, is anybody reading ahead? You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Peter was a hindrance to Jesus because of where he set his mind. He was, he, his mindset was that, he, that, that, that he, uh, uh, his mindset was that which he could understand in his own natural mind. And then Jesus calls him Satan, which, I mean, that seemed a little extreme. You know, Jesus could have been like, you're kind of being like Satan right now. You know, like, you're, you're like a little devil. You know, kind of like jokes with him a little bit. Like, like, hey, Peter, I love you, but you're a little devil. Like, something. He just says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. I was like trying to just picture Jesus just razzing Peter. You're a hindrance to me. Because you're not setting your mind on the things of God. I, I wonder... How many times that we've even just hindered the move of God in our own lives? Not because we're bad-hearted or because we've meant to, but just we've given the enemy way too much real estate in our mind. Two chapters before this encounter where Peter gets called Satan, Peter has one of his most famous moments. We've talked about it multiple times, but... Peter's in the boat with the disciples. Huge storm comes up. Jesus starts walking on the water. Matthew chapter 14. And uh, Jesus starts walking on the water. And Peter, because he's the guy. Everybody has this friend. The guy that's going to say the, too much. That's going to cross the line. That's going to, like, we're joking. It's all funny. And then they go here. You're like, whoa, too far. Peter's that guy. So they're on the boat. Storm's coming. Peter's, Jesus is walking on the water. They think it might be a ghost. And like, maybe it's Jesus. And then Peter says, hey, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come to you. And Jesus is like, yeah, come on out. It's me. Peter's like, mm, too far again, and he gets out of the boat. And, and, and this, this is what, I just want to show you this picture of, of mindset. Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water, which is impossible. He didn't know. You can try it at home in your bathtub, see how you do. It, it, he walks on water as he's focused on Jesus. But the storm still, the storm didn't stop. 
when he stepped out in faith. Because I think that's how we think Christian journey is going to be sometimes. It's like we're going to step out in faith and then like everything's going to calm down. Everything's going to be good. Jesus is with me. The storm's still whipping. Waves are still all around him. But he's walking on things that he should be sinking in. And then the scripture says, has this little interesting verse. And it says that Peter began to look at the wind and the waves. I want you to see this focus, right? He's focused on Jesus and he's walking on things he should sink in. He's focused on the storm and he begins to sink. Jesus saves him, reaches out and grabs him. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. What does Hebrews 12 say? It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. This Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter's, Peter is doing the miraculous as long as his mind is, can we just say it that way, just, just for the sake of the message, that, that, that as long as Peter's mind was set on Jesus, he did the impossible. But as soon as his mind was set on the storm, he began to sink. How do you make it through this season? You stop looking at the season and you start looking at him. How do you make it through the divorce? You start looking at him and stop looking at the season. How do you intercede and believe to, for God to bring home a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter? You keep looking at Jesus and you stop looking at the storm. Because the more you give real estate to the enemy and to doubt and to the things that you are worried about, the more you will live in the place of that worry. In fact, if you would begin to set your mind on things above, set your heart on things above, fix your eyes on Jesus, you would begin to walk on things that other people would sink in. And what a testimony for the people of God that we go through what other people go through. But the things that took them out won't take us out because we're walking on things we should sink in because we've set our mind on what his spirit desires so this is this is what's going to happen two things one is god's going to set you free from thought patterns and cycles that have taken you prisoner and then the homework i mentioned this earlier the homework is you have to go home and change the way that you think or else next week, you're gonna need another miracle. God, God's got plenty of miracles. He's not lacking on power. But I, I would rather us continue to go after bigger miracles and bigger things because we're changing the way that we think and we're walking in life and peace. The context of Romans 8, we mentioned this earlier, is really salvation. So life and peace should be a byproduct of you saying yes to Jesus. Let me, I'll take it a little step further. If you've said yes to Jesus and you don't have life and peace, you have your focus in the wrong place. Because what's been provided to us by the Spirit of God is that when we focus our attention there, and when we pour, that peace is actually peace with God. Peace with, not just like peace, like no problems, like peace with God. But it comes from our focus being on Him. I think it was in, it was in Romans 7 that we read. It says in verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's verse, or verse, let's see, I'm going to find it. Verse 23, but I see another law working within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner 
of the law is sin at work within me. This is what I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me between services. I didn't say this. I don't think I said this in the first service. Is that some of you, you're literally prison, prisoners of thought. Prison, that doesn't make you a bad person. This life is crazy. You, nobody probably would go through what you went through and not be a prisoner of thought. But because you're a prisoner of thought doesn't mean you have to stay a prisoner of thought. God, God wants to supernaturally set you free. And then as you begin to change your focus, you're going to walk in freedom. What did we say earlier? The encounter breaks you free, sets you free. But the thinking keeps you free. See, I, I, I have a mindset about our church. Because I've set my mind for a long time on what God was going to do through this community of people. I have a mindset about my family because I've set my mind consistently on what God was going to do through my family and do through my boys. I have a mindset about our city and our cities being transformed because I've consistently set my mind and we're living in some of the things that we collectively have continued to set our mind on. That we're believing God for the impossible. We're believing God for city transformation. But God doesn't just deliver miracles and deliver city transformation. Those miracles are a byproduct of believers that continually believe and set their mind on the things above. If you look at the storm, you sink in the storm. If you look at the Savior, you walk with the Savior. If you look at the storm, you sink in the storm. If you look at the Savior, you walk with the Savior.